My name's Josh, and thank you for taking time to listen to the What Did We Say podcast. And I'm here with my wife, Erica. Erica. Are That's you, my name. Are you practicing on how to say your yes, name? Yes, we're here. We're filming our recording our fourth episode of the What Did We Say podcast here in Frisco, Texas. We are out of town for a couple of days. Yep. And we live in Oklahoma City. Uh huh. Uh, Taking a couple of days off work and just getting a little frisky and frisco, babe. And we're 14 floors up in Hyatt Regency. Absolutely. I love me a Hyatt, man. Always good. They always deliver. This is not a promotion for Hyatt. We just love you so much. They constantly deliver. The hotel is gorgeous. It's clean. It's nice. The amenities are good. And you know, my favorite thing about hotels. What? What's that? showers oh yeah I forgot my favorite thing is like customer service and I just have yet to walk into a Hyatt and not like receive the best service you know they are incredibly responsive do you remember our first time in a Hyatt was in Miami when we went to Miami um and there was our toilet uh was not the cleanest when we walked in there And then they just like upgraded us to like this suite that above and beyond. Literally, we were not expecting that. We're like, we're just some country folk from Tennessee at the time, like first time in Miami. Overlook the ocean. Uh huh. It was beautiful, and we were just like, man, if a place like will take care of um, people like this because there's a hair on the toilet, I'm here for it. And every single, every single time, they every time. Thank you, Hyatt. Thank so you. This stay has been incredible. Um, didn't plan it out very well. Wanted to ultimately come to Frisco because this time of year, uh, we're two to three weeks away from football season, and I wanted to watch the Dallas Cowboys yeah, practice. Yeah, but, you know, jumped the gun on that one, didn't we? We're one week early. Sure are, so we don't get to watch them practice. Although I can't, I say we can't watch them practice. I don't know that I would have went with our daughter. I think I would have just been like, "Hey, Josh, please go and watch them practice, and I'll swim with Josie at the pool here." Yeah, I think that area down there though has some fun things for the kids. Yeah, she, yeah, okay. She probably would have had a good time. Probably based on the pictures that I saw, and um, it would have been. I'm sure it would have been great for her. Also, they can't physically see this. We are making plans to have a video podcast to have this recorded and put on YouTube at some point. But in this that hotel sounds room, terrifying. Well, <laughs> it sounds terrifying in a moment like this where I'm sitting to my back to you and I'm looking over my right shoulder to be able to kind of see you. I'm, I'm not even attempting to stare at you i'm looking straight ahead at the door wow that's comforting yeah you're if i turn my head i won't speak directly into the mic and you'll be upset with me i bought you an adjustable microphone arm we're on air right now and i can't move it without making noise so we're still dialing here we are but what are we talking about today (laughs) what a segue man that was a that was a Bumpy segue, quick segue. Josh thinks I'm Josh thinks I'm a really negative, rude person at times, or I say things very rude. You're not rude. I just feel like I get to the point. You you are very direct. 
you are very direct. You don't mean to be rude. However, it leaves me in some very awkward moments. Name one. Name one. I'm not going to name one off the top of my head right now, but <laughs> because it's not, there's no point. Oh. There's no point in it. However, today uh, we are going to talk about shame. How you make me feel sometimes when you're very direct with people. Mm, how you make me feel. Nope, actually, you don't make me feel. I feel my feelings, and they're my responsibility. Thank you, therapy. Wow. Amen to that. <laughs> Thank you. This this episode, I can already tell, is going to get tons of ratings. <laughs> <laughs> of people saying, you guys should never do this again. Probably. Uh, so with talking about shame, back to the point, yeah. um, when when I bring up shame or mention the word, do you have like any feelings that come to your gut or do you have any memories that come to your mind um, about a point in time where you felt ashamed? Um, yes, I don't know that I'm ready to talk about them on a podcast yet, but. Okay, it doesn't have to be super deep. I mean, you know, can, I've had I've had trauma as as a kid and i there's there's some traumatic shame that i am continuously healing through um that's new to talk about and yeah i feel shame when i don't deliver like just basic day-to-day stuff like i do not feel shame when i cannot deliver perfection which i know is wrong come back at me Talk to me. I know. I know. Shame does come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Uh, mm-hmm. It can be big or small. And I think it's important to recognize shame for what it is when it does appear, even in the, the smallest of um, forms. And, and I see you correct this um, very well with Josie, even in the smallest of moments where she says, I'm sorry for something oh, that yeah. she didn't do. Mm-mm. I am a recovering chronic apologizer, and I have seen that in Josie already where she will say she's sorry for something that she does not need to be sorry for, and I immediately say, oh, you you actually don't have to be sorry about that. She doesn't fully understand that yet, and I don't think she fully understands what I'm sorry means yet, but that's definitely something that I want to instill in her because even to this day, like, I find myself overly owning things that I cannot and should not own, which brings and me shame. Control. And I can't, yeah, things I cannot control. And it brings, it just brings shame on me. You know, I was doing research on shame whenever you told me we were going to be talking about this. And I found this article and it's, it was like saying, here's your symptoms of shame. It's like, WebMD for shame. <laughs> I Is don't it know. Reading your biography. I don't know. Well, so it was weird because it said chronic blushing. And mm. I can remember um, being in the presence of anyone who I thought was better than me or greater yeah. than me, which, you know, it doesn't take a lot for me to think anyone's better than me or greater than me. Like, sure. hard truth there. But I just remember, like, even my canvas pastor, when I first got on staff, like, he, if he stared at me for too long, I would blush, not because, like, 
I just would like feel so insecure and like feel like, okay, what is he seeing in me right now? I don't, I so don't like So shame is something that you like deal with on a consistent basis. And yes. I think that we all can or, or that we all do. I think it's just the ability to recognize it and acknowledge it. Well, what I was saying is chronic blushing is a, is a sign of shame. I had no idea. I would just be like ticked off at myself. I'm like, Erica, why are you turning red right now? Why are you turning red in this conversation with this person who, yes, you value as a leader, but I didn't know. It was just interesting to me. Like chronic blushing is shame. Hmm. It's interesting. It is. And and you're very quick to course correct our three-year-old daughter what about the people that you come in contact with on a consistent basis, like the people that you work with or the people that you lead? Do you do you call out when they are showing shameful tendencies or or when you recognize shame is showing up? For sure. I mean, who I hope anyone would call out shame that they see in anyone because it's a really unhealthy thing to live with and Especially if it gets to the point where it's dominating, like, your decisions and your thoughts and your just every everything you do. I, I could recall a time where it would just dominate everything I did because I was so afraid to fail at something and look like an idiot. And, um, yeah, so absolutely. What about you? Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes people can get tired of me like speaking truth <laughs> into moments because I know how um, how damaging the effects of shame can be. As someone who did not live in the kinetic of their calling for a very long time because of, of shame, and honestly – where, where I wanted to touch I'm confused on. by that, the kinetic of your calling, because you've been preaching since you were nine years old. I don't I don't understand that you were not living in the kinetic of your calling. Yeah, so for anyone that might be struggling to understand the term kinetic with your calling, kinetic means energy and being used. You're using your energy. So for someone to say to me that I have great potential is such a, like, it hurts my ego so bad because potential is stored energy, energy not being used. Kinetic is energy being used. I always want to be accused of being in the kinetic. But um, I think what I mean by that is we can associate doing to um, like doing things or being busy as in living out our calling when ultimately our calling isn't ultimately what we do it's who we do it through and part of that who that I'm that I have discovered is we do it through Christ but we also understand that Christ is in us and a lot of times I have seen people especially people in ministry um, have this false sense of humility which is where I was going uh, to to like not not even be able to accept a compliment or pat on the back and I still struggle with that to this day but oh that you're you're saying you have a false sense of humility at times that's what I struggled with okay like like growing up it was um 
it was pride masquerading or it was shame masquerading as humility because babe you can't you still cannot receive a oh i know that's why i said (laughs) but ultimately it's it's not what i mean by full since you asked the question is understanding that you are called that you're you're doing it because christ has called us to do it or we're living it out because of christ in me there's a component there that we we yes it is christ it is all christ but it's also christ in you and there's a lot of people that doesn't that that don't allow christ to actually be in them or be used by them so that's that's what i meant by that but i do think that humility and shame can sometimes be very cr- closely related. I know this because I've, I've walked that line. Absolutely. I mean, shame is particularly, it becomes problematic whenever um, it's so internalized that it's like it results in an overly harsh evaluation of yourself. And I do want Enneagram. Okay, guys, I'm a one wing one right so one wing one no that's not even a thing but like i just made it up because i'm a one and i love it um no but i'm the perfectionist right that's what a, a one is and um so like the self talk do you have do you have self talk or inner dialogue do you do that the only certain only certain people have inner dialogue you do mm-hmm. i cuz you're you're an eight no yeah. Nope, I'm a seven wing eight. You wish you were a seven <laughs> wing eight. Um, but he but I have like really intense inner dialogue and I'm trying to think I jacked up something a few weeks ago at when you work. say inner dialogue, is it does your inner dialogue tend to be positive or negative? Oh, negative. It's like I can't believe I'm about to say this. It literally like I messed up a couple weeks at ago at something that probably no one would have ever known at work at at home at work okay and all day it ate at me for two days and I my inner dialogue I find no 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 it ate at me all the way up until Saturday night and I finally like I was dreaming about this thing of like Oh my gosh, I I look like an idiot, you stupid idiot! Like those were things had I was telling. Other people noticed that you had done this. No, or? it was something so small, but it was like you. Well, yes, I mean, other people knew, I guess, and that's what brought on the shame. But it was like you idiot, you're so stupid, you didn't think things through. Da 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 da. So from like a Wednesday all the way to a Saturday night. I struggled with, like, like it ate at me. I feel like a completely different person, and that was shame. And that's pride. All it is is pride mm-hmm. is pride, what it is. Pride that you don't want to be exposed or that it was that you were exposed. Unpack that a little bit. It's probably that I was exposed. What happened was I made a decision without consulting someone else on my team. And, like, looking back on it now, it's like, duh, Erica. Like, that was a no-brainer to talk to that person about that. But I didn't, and it was hurtful to that person. And I just, like, apologized, And but I just, I didn't forgive myself. That person probably was, like, immediately, like, well, okay, Um, not me. 
not me. You can guarantee if I mess up, I don't need you to chew me out for it because got myself. Yeah. So I think what that story can be used as a, a guide for us with our remaining time to kind of unpack what shame actually does. Um, and I think we can use some scripture and stuff to to talk about it. But I think what was your initial response when you, you felt shame? Like what did you want to do? I wanted to over um, overcompensate. Okay. By letting everyone know that I knew that I was wrong. So what what do you mean by overcompensate? I wanted to tell everyone, hey, I did this, and I missed. Like I wanted more punishment. You okay? I see what you're saying. So you wanted you wanted to confess right away. Yeah, but I wanted to confess to people that didn't even know that it was a thing. So confess, which, which I think is a very healthy response to shame. Yeah, but not confessing to 25 people who don't care only because, like, I felt like I needed the punishment for it. That's not great. Did you confess to anyone that could actually punish you? No, I just wanted them to say, yeah, Erica, that was a bad call. Okay, but still confession is a very healthy response to shame. Okay. You you don't agree? I agree. Okay. I agree that confession is a very healthy response to shame. I think that I can go (laughs) really unhealthy with it. I don't don't think that maybe I see, maybe I see your point, but I, have you always been the type of person that would want to confess your shame? Um, Or is that? come with only growth if, and maturity only if i'm caught <laughs> okay so only if you're caught what if you're not caught then because we're, we're that's a we will have people that mm-hmm. are listening that aren't caught that are ultimately dealing with things internally this moment the only people that know about it are them yeah and god i'm trying to think about the last time that i felt this shame is, for something. I'm I'm just I'm being honest with yeah. you because like I've so been this on is this what I'm getting at. Biblically speaking, like the initial response to shame that we see a lot throughout Scripture is to hide, um, right? Is to cover up the thing that we did wrong, and that's so easy to do when no one knows what you did. Yeah, that's, so the that's thing. why I'm asking, like, because I'm I'm intrigued by your your because you said your initial response was to confess which is the healthy response the right response i'm intrigued how you got to that point at the age that you're in i i want to unpack that i want to know because i think it can help somebody listening because I, I know for me and i just hit the microphone uh i know for me my initial response when i do something wrong is okay i want to fix it before anybody else finds out yeah i just feel like I've lived so long with, well, I've recently learned what repressed and suppressed emotions are, and I have lived so long repressing emotions because my environments haven't been safe that, number one, I think I'm in a safe environment to confess when I mess up and that there's trust there, but, like, trust is there, but trust is there because I have worked to get it. Trust in your environment or trust in yourself? 
both, both, and not just my environment, but just in my community, the people I surround myself with. That's what I mean. Like I've worked to build trust. It's 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 with people. It's a safe place to say, "Hey, I messed up," and no one is gonna think that I'm awful or inconsiderate because I didn't think to bring this thing to one person who it should have been brought to all along. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I. I think for anyone who is listening that could potentially deal with shame, um, and we all potentially could deal with shame, one of the one of the ways to counteract that is to confess. But confession, what you're saying is is requires development. Mm-hmm. So so self development, mm-hmm. self awareness, knowing yourself good enough, but also having a community and an environment around you in which you can safely confess so an environment that you trust and which is crucial yeah, like babe, we, we know where we where where we work where we associate where our friends are confessions a no-brainer because there's safety there right I'm just thinking of the person like what does a person need to hear right now that feels like oh but you <laughs> you didn't tell something to someone like that's your sh- that's your shame but like what, what do you about mean you didn't tell something? I'm just saying my, they're like, oh, your situation is, is you didn't bring in a coworker when you should have brought in a coworker. Oh, okay. But like my situation is I want to stop watching pornography yeah. and I so cannot. I have stepped out of my relationship or my marriage and I don't know how to stop. Like those are things that are like life. I don't care what kind of community you got around you. Like those are life altering things regardless so like what can we say to that person completely agree the thing that i would say is that as i said earlier on shame comes in all shapes and sizes and the thing that you are dealing with and and it's just like the tactic of the enemy to talk to the person that's listening to this right now who has stepped out on a spouse or his spouse or her spouse or has a raging addiction or has stolen or murdered or whatever. Maybe it's not murder bad. Um, shame, like the comparison, what shame wants to do is speak to comparison in you right now. Like, man, your thing is so much worse than her thing. You don't need to confess because that's exactly what shame does. Shame yeah. will want you to run and hide. And we see mul- I just hit my hand on the table. We see shame play out in multiple examples in the Bible, whether it's Adam and Eve when they mm-hmm. sinned. What did they do? They hid from God. They hid, yep. Um, David, Bathsheba, what did he do? He hid. He didn't go out to war. He didn't do the things that he wanted to do, and he immediately wanted to cover it up by bringing Bathsheba's husband home. Because he was watching Bathsheba take a bath. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, what did David and Bath? What do you think David and Bathsheba's husband did once David got to heaven? And that's an awkward conversation, right? I don't even know. <laughs> or John four, like we talked about in our last podcast, the woman at the well. She mm-hmm. came out at the sixth hour of the day, the heat of the day, mm-hmm. because she was hiding from everyone else. Like mm. that's what shame does. And but check it, John eight, babe, the woman caught in the act of adultery. She couldn't hide in shame. She was brought out in front of all the peeps. Mm-hmm. And what was Jesus' response? Hey, peeps. 
<laughs> Those without sin cast the first stone. It was. She was literally no caught more. in adultery, and she could not hide in her shame. She was brought outside, possibly naked, thrown at Jesus' feet, and the people were like, what you going to do, Jesus? And we don't know what he wrote in the sand, but. We do know his words. We do. And we his words are incredibly powerful for the woman in John 8. And mm-hmm. for anyone listening to this podcast right now, it's your sins are forgiven. Yep. Go That's what and confession sin. does. Go and sin no more. That's what confession does. Mm-hmm. So anyone dealing with shame in this moment, the way that you counteract it is you confess. Yeah. Whatever it is. If it's addiction, if it's you don't have the right answer, if you um, are, you know, put on your resume something that's not right to get the job like whatever whatever it is confession Mm. gives you power over whatever the thing is that you're hiding and ultimately shame that's what confession does we we see that with adam and eve in genesis when when god closed them you know god god covered their shame we saw that in John 8, like you talked about. Um, we know when Nathan came in and talked to David, what, you know, the the process for restoration was. And that's exactly what God does. And I know for me, um, in full transparency, since you and I have been married, I mean, so like we can give your example if, someone does have the comparison of like, okay, well, she didn't tell someone. Well, I've confessed to you twice, I think, since we've been married that I had watched porn. Yeah. And I do have to say, like, your response as as a wife was extremely comforting, not the mm. first 30 minutes, but, <laughs> but after you composed yourself, um, it did make the environment safe. So, Maybe there is a spouse listening mm-hmm. right now whose husband or wife has confessed some things. Yeah. Speak to the person who who is the person receiving the confession. Yeah. Even use our scenario where I've confessed to you. Yep. And then even today I I like had to call you about something that popped up. Oh yeah, but you do that always. You're very open with your uh like your addiction to pornography and I'm super grateful about it, but like if something I was in the mall today and Josh was in the hotel room and he said he called me right up and he said, Hey, I something popped on up Instagram. on my Instagram <laughs> that is pretty much porn Should and I not do, have been there. And I need you to know about it. Did you set my f- like my passcode, my phone blocker back. And I was like, you know what? You just got a new phone. And I sure did not. Yeah. And so that was, you know, but there's so much freedom in that. Like I'm not I'm not a wife sitting around wondering like who's he with or what's he watching while I'm not there. Because there's so much freedom in just the openness of it. You know? Yeah, but what about what about uh trying to think of when my ultimate last confession was eight years ago and walk through, okay, you, 
your husband confessed to watching porn. Yeah. Your your initial response, but then it's not about is, me. What is the biblical response in your opinion? Well, first off, you confessing that it has nothing to do with me. The decision you made to do that has nothing to do with me. And you confess like I have to it's not I have to remove myself as like he did this to try to hurt me or what way am I not fulfilling him that he felt like he had to do this. I have to remove all of that because there's greater powers at work in in that than me and what I cannot measure up for him to be in my humanness. And the so I would say it's not about me. You know, and then exactly what Jesus... How do you counteract the feeling, though, of like, man, this has been done against you? I don't know. I just, just stay, if you're a Christ follower, just stay in your word and like understand, just try to be like Jesus. Like the question, what would Jesus do if Jesus were me? Well, what Jesus did when a woman was thrown at his feet, caught in the act of adultery, here's what Here's what he did, and here's what he said. And ultimately, Jesus did go to the cross when every person who ever lived ultimately sinned against right. him. Right, Yeah. So there is that. <laughs> and I can choose to eight years later to be so pissed off at you for doing that, and I can choose to be miserable, and or I can choose to trust you. Like, it's so much easier to trust because there's joy in that mm. than then to like walk around on eggshells or like be fearful or think that man he's hurting me on purpose like that's not it that's not it but there's as, so much joy and trust as a spouse that has put my spouse in that position I don't need to leave you in a constant state of like you do what you have to do you put blockers no. on your phone. Yeah. You confess when you need to confess. You, you And I think I asked you really weird questions after that. Like, I was yeah. trying to wrap my head around. Cause Being I've, open for those <laughs> awkward questions. I Because I personally have not watched porn. I didn't grow up in a house where, like, internet was accessible. And I just, like, I just have, so I didn't, I didn't even know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I do want to make one thing clear. You did say a few minutes ago, my porn addiction. Yeah. you're. It's well, not active. It is not active. <laughs> <laughs> so I, did, I do want to make that for people listening to this podcast. It was active from ages 15 to. 17 to. Oh, 17. Yeah. 24, I 25. can't even remember. Yeah. So, yes, it is but <laughs> no I am, longer act, but I am susceptible. Yes, that's today. the thing. I am susceptible and have blockers on the phone, whatever whatever it is. Ultimately, though, like you have to set yourself up for a shame to not have room at your table. Whether you are a liar, an addict, like a drunk, whatever whatever your identity the enemy wants to make your identity be whatever your past sin is or your current struggle is you have to not allow the lies of the enemy ultimately shame mm. to live at your table because 
It is designed to keep you from living out everything that God has for you. Yeah. So I don't know how much time we have left, but there's another nugget of shame that I feel like I can contribute to, and I don't know how much I'm going to share of it, but I'm ready. Hey, share those nuggets. I got dipping sauce. Oh, my gosh. Okay. What if you're ashamed of something that happened to you that you didn't have control over? Like your you have your shame was brought on by the decision that you made, but what if you live with shame about something that happened to you that you have no control over? So, for do you have any like tangible examples? So, like if someone was um, beat as a kid, beat as a kid, sexually abused as a kid, yeah. um, just any sort of trauma that is like I didn't ask for this and I didn't choose this, but here it is. And I have to live with this warped shape, warped shaped reality based in the shame that I may feel. I mean, that's my story. You know it. Yeah. I think what you have to what you have to recognize is what you just said is is not accurate. What you said is you have to live in this warped shape reality. Ultimately you don't have to live in that warped shape reality. It's not acting Changing your mindset isn't acting like the thing didn't happen to you, but it is ultimately not allowing the thing that did happen to you to, it's like if you live in the shame of that each and every day, you're allowing the thing that happened to you to ultimately feel like it's happening to you day after day because the shame that ultimately attached itself to you when the thing happened is still living on you. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think that's a lot easier said than done. And I But let's let's at least start with the truth. Yeah, I mean that is the truth. And you can choose not to let that be your reality, but the reality is is you've lived with this massive secret. At least that was in my case. Like it was this massive thing that happened to me when I was very young. Didn't talk about it with anyone but until you, my husband three years ago. But you started to heal. You started the healing process. And, and it goes right back to what we were talking about. You started the healing process with confession. Right. And, yeah. And so all of that begins with confession. Yeah. And whatever it is, whether whether you have been mistreated in any way, shape, or form, and and I'm sorry that anyone listening to this has to ever feel that or carry that. But freedom begins at the same place, and yeah. that's confession. I just wanted to talk about the person that's like, well, I didn't decide to watch porn, so, but this happened to me, and I live in this shame, and I'm afraid to tell someone. Just tell someone. Yeah, I Find think the person you love and tell them. There is truth. Um, you know, com- it, it begins at confession. Yeah. But the Bible teaches us that, and it's a lot easier said than done, that you shall know the truth. And the truth is where freedom is. Yeah. And you have to know the truth about you, whether it's you are not what happened to you. That's truth. And if that's something you have to say to yourself each and every day, you have to surround yourself with truth. Because truth sets free. You can either allow shame, which is ultimately lies, from the enemy to 
to live in your brain. Yeah. Or you can counteract those with God's truth. I don't think that it's a magic pill, Mm -mm. but why not try it? Why not start there? And then obviously counseling and um, Mm -hmm. working through those things. I I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I do know what has worked for me. I know it's worked for me. It's still working. It's still healing. It's still a process, guys. It's understanding it is a process. And I'm telling you, like, there's there's traumatic shame that literally will it will change it changes you. Like if there's shame that you're carrying that long for that sorry, I don't want to get emotional, but it it changes you and it takes time to piece you back together the way that God intended for you to be pieced back together. And just find someone to talk about it, to talk about it. Part of the truth is also knowing that it's not going to be fixed in a day. Yeah. It will take time. Let's wrap up with um, just looking at the woman in John 4 again. I think it's, I know this is two out of four podcasts where we have used the woman at the well, John 4, ultimately where she was at. At where where Jesus found her was in a shameful place. And we know the story because we talked about it last podcast that Jesus ultimately said you have five husbands. You pointed out that maybe that was her reality. You know, maybe that yeah. was how she identified and known as, knew herself as is, is the woman with five husbands. And he's living with her boyfriend. But she was out at the heat of the day mm-hmm. trying to avoid people. She yep. didn't want to be around other people. That's shame. Yep. What I love, though, is after an encounter with Jesus, what did she do? She ran and told the entire town, come see this man. The same people she was trying to avoid, where she was trying to hide. She was acting like a fool for Jesus. She went right back into the town that she was hiding from, the people she was hiding from, and was like, you know what? My shame no longer exists because of this dude, Jesus. Come see him. Come see him. Mm. So, ultimately, if you're walking in shame, dealing with shame, one, we're sorry that you had to deal with that. Yeah. It's not your identity. But also... There's freedom. (laughs) There's freedom, but it starts with confession starts with confession nothing good grows in the dark and Jesus wants to set you free any other give 30 seconds to give some parting words of wisdom me Jesus loves you I'm sorry I don't know I wasn't prepared I wasn't prepared for this I feel like I've said all I feel like I need therapy after this (laughs) that might mean that it's a good podcast then Oh, y'all have a great week. Remember, Jesus loves you.